Hello, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Are You Really Living podcast. Today's guest is attorney McKinley Justin. Attorney Justin started his own law firm in 2018. His firm has served the legal need of homeowners, purchasers and sellers, real estate and mortgage brokers, agents, brokerages, title companies, investors, other real estate professionals, and their clients. Furthermore, his firm also represents clients in debt collection, creditor representation in bankruptcy, breach of contract matters, and other litigation and transactional work. In addition to being a licensed attorney in the state of Florida, attorney Justin is also a licensed real estate broker and realtor in the state of Florida. His brokerage provides sales and management services throughout the Tampa Bay area. Let's welcome our host, Mr. Enrio Longchamp, and our guest attorney, McKinley Justin. Hello, listeners. I would like to welcome you all to another episode of Are You Really Living? Today, I am fortunate to have attorney McKinley Justin with us. Attorney McKinley, how are you today? I'm good. I'm good. I, you know, I told you, just drop the attorney. Just, just, just call me Mac. <laughs> all right. I'll just call you Mac. Mac, talk to me. How are you? How is everything? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Just trying to live it. And I love the name of your, um, of your podcast, Are You Really Living? Uh, because sometimes, you know, if you get stuck in not doing anything, uh, you know, you're not really living. You got to get out and do stuff, you know, work. Uh, so I really, really love that title. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Greatly appreciate it. I know you're super busy. I've been trying to get you on there for a while, but we are here now, finally. And I appreciate it. Uh, to the listeners, I would like to let you guys know that uh, Mac is a real estate attorney. He is based in Florida and the Tampa and St. Petersburg area, to be exact. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Tampa Bay area. So we're talking about Polk County, Sarasota, uh, Pinellas, uh, Hillsborough County, Pasco County. Perfect. And you can uh, even if you you can assist someone in South Florida as well, correct? Oh, yeah, man. I can I can I can do a, an eviction or I can do. So uh, I am licensed. I, I am a licensed attorney and a licensed real estate broker in the entire state of Florida. That means I can work through an entire state. I have clients who are in Jacksonville, and if I can't make the hearing or I'm not able to travel, I can always hire coverage counsel people who are uh, able to assist me you know, to, to cover some cases. Now, can you provide? And especially, uh, I'm, I'm sorry. Especially since the pandemic, almost everything now can be done online. Uh, as you're well aware, as far as the filing. Uh, and all that other stuff, like it could all be done online. The deed, the, the case, the serving, everything. So yeah, yeah. That's I mean, it's very convenient as well for all parties involved. And now, can you give us some background on your career journey? In other words, what led you to become a real estate attorney, and what was the pathway for you? Um, well, to tell you the truth, I didn't know I wanted to be an attorney. I didn't know I wanted to go into real estate. Um, originally from Haiti, I came here in September of 2000, lived in Miami for about 10 years. Uh, then we, then I went to, uh, then I went to Tampa and after Tampa, Jacksonville, after Jacksonville moved back down here. But when I was an undergrad, I majored in major with the science and minor in criminology. And I was all, I was a paralegal and I loved it. And I didn't know what else I could do with a criminology or political science major. Did not want to go into politics. That is not something that I that I, that I like. Uh, but one day I got into my office 
and there was a letter of recommendation. I were just talking about people giving us the recommendation, how strong that is. There was a letter of recommendation on my desk from all of the attorneys that I work for, basically saying you need to go law school. And then, so at that point, I'm like, what? <laughs> now I got to study for the LSAT. You have so many people uh, that believes in you that says, you know what, you can do this. You should do better. You you, you know you need to do better. We'll work more, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so after, you know, I got, you know, the ear full of that in a letter on my desk, I decided to study the LSAT. So I did the LSAT, uh, uh, I did the LSAT online and at weekends and nights uh, at USF. Um, and it was not the best score. So while I was doing it, I also had a lot of frustration getting through the LSAT. But the LSAT is not something you need to really, you know, pass or fail. You just need to get a score in order to get to, you know, law school. Um, and, and so once I passed, uh, well, once I got through the LSAT, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to go to law school. I applied at Stetson, uh, which is here in the Tampa Bay area. I applied at Cooley, uh, and I also applied at Florida Coastal, which is in Jacksonville. So ended up going to Florida Coastal, and in the first year, uh, really wanted to do criminal law. I was a paralegal for criminal, so uh, wanted to do criminal law, but for some reason, the criminal law did not work with me because it was always like fighting back and forth. Criminal law, uh, there's two things that, you know, I really don't like. You know, once you commit a crime, it doesn't matter what type of crime it is. The prosecutor in defense has to think of two things. One is mens rea, that's the mindset. Uh, and then two is active rea with the actual act of the crime. No crime is the same. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's like, you know, two of the same bank, two of the same robbers, two of the same gun. No crime is the same always have to think about that kind of thing and i could not yeah i couldn't get through it property one uh come to find out i booked property one so booking the class in uh in law school means basically you got the highest score you know highest grade amongst your peers so i booked property one and i talked to my real estate professor and i said what do i do with this i have no idea what real estate is again i'm from haiti i didn't know the law in haiti when it comes to real estate so try to get the law here. That's like, but she's like, you know your stuff because you got the essay. So she's like, get your real estate license. So in 2015, I got my real estate license. And I work as a property manager uh, in doing property management and sales for a company in Tampa. And doing property management, you learn landlord and tenant. You learn real estate sales. You learn title. So that's basically how it all got started. Uh, and then when I graduated, I basically started you know, my own farm and my own brokerage company, just doing the stuff that I knew, landlord and tenant, uh, eviction that I learned from, you know, law school and I learned from the job I was working at. Uh, and then so, and the rest is history. This is why this podcast is called Are You Really Living? Because your journey there explains the importance of believing in your dream and focusing on what's important for you and it will come true. So that's, I, I couldn't have said it better. Oh, no. In terms of real estate, can you give us like an overview of various aspects of and issues that you handle as a real estate attorney? Well, um, and I think that goes to one of the other questions that, you know, you have here. And I can elaborate a little bit more on that one, too. But let me start by saying there is uh, most people think of real estate attorney only in the close. Basically, buying and selling, you have a buyer, you have a seller, they go to a title company, and the title company handles the closing of the or the sale. Uh, the same thing with, you know, with, you know, property management and that sort. 
there's a lot more to it. Uh, so thank you very much for that question. There's a lot more to it. There are, are one of the main things that we do is deed. So if you want to transfer your rights uh, to another person, that's a deed that we can put in place. Uh, buyer consultation. If you just want the consultation, you just want to talk about what the process is like, you know, buying or what the process is like in, you know, in, in selling, we can talk about that. So the transactional side of things, as far as writing letters, a men letter to, to people, uh, helping you out with a specific real estate transaction. But there's also the litigation part of it too, like the suing you part. Duh, you know, uh, duh, you're not doing what you need to do as a tenant, so I'm going to evict you. Or the landlord, you're not doing what you need to do as a landlord, so I'm going to give you a seven-day notice to cure or to make certain repairs. Um, you need to also have the mortgages draft sometime. Uh, you know, you might want to give somebody a, a lead on your property. So you have a property and you said, hey, I'd like to give you some cash. You can take out refinance. That's something that, you know, we can assist with refinance, the refinance process. Uh, the selling, if you don't want to get the bank involved, you want to give somebody a, a note or a mortgage. You as the individual can act as Wells Fargo or Bank of America and give somebody else a mortgage. That's something we can draft. We can draft the mortgage. We can draft the notes. We can also do mechanic liens for, you know, con contractors and vendors. So you hire a vendor to come out to your house. Uh, they did the work. You don't want to pay it. They can contact me. <laughs> and then, you know, we can go through the process of how they can get their money. Or vice versa. If you, you know, don't think that they did the work uh, and then you don't want to pay them or you want to go after them for like negligence, you can also call me to, uh, you know, unless there's a conflict, uh, I pretty much will do everything in the real estate world uh, as far as, again, you know, buying, selling, and property management. Uh, when I went to law school, I really, when I started liking real estate, I really wanted to know if I got like a vacant lot, I could do something with it. What can I do with it? And how far I can take it? And then now I think I'm somewhat, not all the way there, know everything, but I kind of know if you can, you know, if you need to build on it, who do you need to contact? Uh, you know, if you need code enforcement, uh, if you need to like, you know, hire vendors where you get permits and stuff like that, how do you go about doing that? If you need to lease it, if you need to sell it, if you need to buy it, if you need to lean it, you can let me know. So there's a lot more than just that, you know, that, that closing buyer seller, it's everything you can think of, uh, cause everybody lives in a piece of property, right? They either rent or lease, uh, I'm sorry, they, they either rent or lease. Or they purchase or, you know, they, they actually acquire this property. You might have some nuisance issue with your neighbor, right? So you're renting the property or you buy the property. You might have some noise issue where the next door neighbor or the person on top of you or below you is making noise. That's a nuisance. That's a property issue. So there's all of that, you know, stuff, tax exemption. Uh, if you want to know about, you know, when taxes are due, how to protect yourself from filing taxes, how to keep your homestead taxes down to that 3% every single year. That is something that, you know, a real estate attorney can also, you know, help and negotiate with. Now, typically, if a client comes to you uh, in reference of purchasing a home, what is the pro timeline uh, and when it comes to that? Well, it depends. So you want to buy a home right now. Um, first thing I would recommend is you get in the contract. We would, we would fill out an as-is contract. Uh, normally, it's about 45 to 60 days. That's how long it normally it would take to close. But some people might want a closing like 90 days out because for some reason the seller is living in the property and they can't move out until like 90 days out. So it's really depending on, you know, the buyer and the seller, how long uh, they would like to, you know, have this contract for and do this closing. But I have uh, title companies and lenders, you 
you know, that, that came to a closing within like, you know, two weeks. So it could be really fast or it could, you know, it could go on for a little bit. And, you know, the sometime the seller has a lease on the property and they basically stay on the property until the closing. So, but normally it's about 45 to 60 days. Once you sign that contract, I would like to move forward and have the closing. Uh, so the process would be the first thing, again, get the contract, have your title company in in the contract, whoever's going to be the title company, who's going to facilitate all of the paperwork, who's going to record the deeds, who's going to do all that stuff. I always recommend having an inspection or a due diligence period, which means like you got to check out the property before you say, yes, I'm willing to move forward. Um, because if you don't have an inspection or you don't pay for it, which I believe it's a hundred percent, we go a little bit further, 110% worth it. Okay. You don't want to buy something and not like, you know, inspect it because you can move it and find all these things. So normally I would have like a 10 to 15 days inspection period where you check out the property. And then after you check out the property, then you tell the buyer in, in the title company, uh, if you're ready to move forward, the buyer's agent, the seller's agent, the title company, you let everybody involved know, Hey. We're ready to move forward and let's process everything. The title company will then move forward in order of the payoff. If there's a current mortgage on the property, the title company will order the mortgage. Title company will order surveys. If there's servers that needs to be done, uh, we'll make sure, you know, the buyer brings the cash. They are closing. We'll make sure the sellers sign the deed and all those documents on the day of close. Right now, it, the market is hot in terms of is very uh, interest rates are high, uh, houses uh, are extremely high. Is it a buyer's market based on what you're seeing right now? Is it a buyer's market? It's getting to um, it's getting to a buyer's market. Uh, it's getting to a buyer's market, but it's also kind of like you know not a stable market. Okay, it's not a stable market. Means there's not a lot of uh, you know, inventory on the market right now. Uh, interest rate is getting pretty high. So buyer's market is starting to slow down a little bit uh, like it was a seller's market before. Because if interest rate is so high, not a lot of people were going to buy, you know, because before we had interest rate like three, four, right? Now it's like, you know, seven, almost eight. I've seen like a nine. Um, so when the interest rate goes up so high, people start slowing down. Uh, people start slowing down on buying stuff. So at that point, it's going to try to shift to a seller's market. But at the same time, we don't have a lot of inventory on the market right now um, to to really call it like, you know, a seller or a buyer's market. So it's kind of like, you know, an unstable market right now. Uh, but I will say this because people are always trying to figure out whether or not to buy, whether or not to sell. It's always a market. Every industry has an up and down, right? If you buy, you just got to know your reason, your why for buying. If you're an investor, you got to look at your numbers. If you're buying just for you personally, is it because of a family or is it because like, you know, rent or high? Because the rent are always going to be high. So when it turns like, you know, if people want to buy, don't just don't buy because you don't think it's a buyer's market. No, you might find like a really nice deal out there for you. Uh, if again, the numbers or your why is, you know, a good reason. If you're paying, more, uh, you know, rent for like $1,800 and you can get a house for like $1,900, even though, again, we're, we're talking about $100 more, still work it, right? Because a house gets you equity. A house gets you, you know, a house is like a little piggy bank. The more money you pay the mortgage company, the more money basically goes back in your equity inside your house. So let's talk about lien really quickly. Let's say if somebody purchased a home, they did not realize they... They had a, someone had put a lien on the house. A plumber had worked on the, on the house with the previous owner. And there's a lien from that plumber. 
Now they, they are the new owners of that property and that person, they were to contact you. How would you go about it? Or will there be a solution for that new owner not to pay <laughs> the plumber or how would that go? That's an excellent question. And I think that's your question. I think number one, real estate uh, is a significant and I'll read it because it is important. Uh, real estate is a significant component of many people's investment portfolio. What advice do you have for individuals looking to make informed real estate investment while minimizing legal risk? And I'll give you the perfect example because I have a client like that. Of course, I can't give you too much detail. Otherwise, I would have to, you know, uh, you know, but, you know, I have, <laughs> but I do have a client right here, right now. So he goes to a tax auction and purchase this property. He goes to a tax auction and purchases this property. His English is not too good. He contacted an attorney whose English is also not too good. Um, and they kind of talk about the property. They didn't do any real legal research, any real, you know, title search or any real anything. So he buys, he buys this property. Come to find out there's a lien of $360,000 on the property. $360,000. The house is probably worth, I think, maybe about $400,000. So I think there's a little bit of cash here, but still do you buy a property thinking you're buying a property, clear it free. And then there's like a $360,000 lien on it. So there are three things you just got to do if you're buying a property, especially when it comes to investing. If you're buying it for your personal reason, the title company will do, will give you a title commitment and will do the title search. And that's part of it. But if it's for investment, nobody does that unless you contact an attorney and do that separately. Or you have to do this yourself. One, you got to know your market. You got to know what the market is doing. Uh, how much you can sell. You can sell the property. Okay. You got to know what your numbers are. Your number. Your individual number. So if you know this property can sell for like three hundred thousand uh, dollars, you don't want to buy it for more than like what two fifty. Because you're trying to make some money, and you may have to like repair it. You may have to do certain things to it. Uh, you also want to know again that part of the number is also knowing if there's a the lien on the property or the mortgage. Because if it's two fifty. Can sell it for three hundred. There's a mortgage for fifty thousand. You don't want that property, right? Because like you're you're back at you're back at zero here. The third thing is do your research. Do your research or hire somebody to do the title search. Um, because you will find the things in there you didn't know because the clerk's office is not going to do that. And if it and if it HOA sues, they're the second lien. They're not going to you know they're not going to you know uh, sue sue the first lien. So you're not going to know. So you got to do either uh, just a general search and then you can do that in the state of Florida. Every county has an official record. Every county has an official record. So you can go to Duval County or Hillsborough County. Just Google it. Hillsborough County official record. You can find out where mortgage is recorded. Every county also has a property of the appraiser's office. Hillsborough County property appraiser's office. So look up to see who owns the property. Uh, everyone has, uh, you know, tax collector's office. And it's all online, by the way, because Florida has like it's called a sunshine law, which means almost everything is kind of like online. So you want to do at least those minimum things. But if you're buying something really high, do call an attorney. I can do a title search for about 150 on a residential property. Uh, and then I can find out if there's mortgages, liens, and all that other stuff. So let's go back to this to this guy. We'll call him, we'll call him Carlos. Okay. Um, let's go back to this guy. So he purchased the property, called me and says, Hey. I don't, I think there's like maybe a mortgage or two or a bunch of things in there. So I said, well, the first thing I have to do is do what I just said, do the legal search. I have to go to the properties of appraisers office. I have to look all this stuff. And then the next thing that I did, I did like an official title search on that property. Not only did we find out X, Y, and Z, we found out A to Z. Okay. It wasn't just like one or two things. It was like a bunch of things. 
So at that point, I just advised them. I said, hey, these are the things that are showing up on the property. The main one is this big mortgage right here. What I can do is contact the mortgage co company and says, hey, please give us a payoff because the mortgage stays with the prop. If he doesn't pay the mortgage, he's not personally liable to the, the loan, but the mortgage company can take the house to satisfy the loan. So he can just get up and just leave and go to China and do whatever he wants. The bank can, cannot go after him because he didn't sign an agreement with the bank for this loan. The previous owners did. So the bank can try to go after the previous owners. But again, he paid something for this house if he doesn't do anything with the bank. So he has to work something out with the bank. So the first thing is, again, get the payoff letter from the bank. He called the bank and says, hey, so I called the bank and I said, listen, he didn't do his job. And then now I'm trying to figure out exactly how much the mortgage is. Because even though it says 360, there might have been like some balance paid off or a previous owner. We don't know about it. So I was like, I just need to know if your client is willing to work with my client on some amount because he can't afford this 360 this is how much he can pay but at the same time if you don't want to you know work with them like the law doesn't require that they have to work they can just give us a payoff that says this is what you owe at that point i just bring it to the client and say hey client this is what they're telling me you owe you gotta pay it or if you don't pay it they will go through the court and foreclosure and then you know and then you will get to an auction and all Stuff. But throughout the entire time, we can still try to work it out. So everything that was on that title search, I have to go one by one, contact the lead holder and says, hey, I need a release and cancellation. How do I, you know, get you paid off? Because once we get them paid off, then they will file a release and cancellation. They will file like some kind of release, basically remove it from the property, some kind of discharge, releasing it from the property. So, but yes, that's that guy right now. So the first thing you would do again is just follow up with whoever asked the lead cleaner, mommy, daddy, whoever it is, and try to negotiate something with them. And once you pay them off, they should be able to release that, uh, do a release, okay, do a release off the property. And sometimes they may have, it's possible, sometimes they have a release, they just haven't reported yet. It's slam though, it's slam. Because normally when someone gets paid, they release it, they have to release it by law. How about go and proceed in terms of putting a lien on the property for someone that didn't pay a plumber for a job? They contact oh, me. So, yeah, they can contact me. That's a mechanic. If you're a lender, let's go to the lender's side. So if you loan somebody some money and then they don't pay you, that's a mortgage in the note. Then we're basically filing a lawsuit to, you know, basically file a lawsuit or foreclose a lawsuit on the property. Like, like Wells Fargo or Bank of America. If it's a vendor, before we file the lawsuit, we have to do a mechanic. We have to send them notice saying, hey, you owe us. This is what you owe us. Please pay us by certain days, by certain time. They don't pay. Then at that point, you have to put a mechanic lien on the property. You have to put a lien on the property uh, that says that you owe money. Very important. That lien is for one year. If you do not enforce that lien within one year, like basically sue the homeowner, that lien is pretty much like this thing. Pretty much like, you know, done and over with. You can't really, you know, you can try, still try to sue someone. Uh, there's always a default in law. You can always try to sue someone if, you know, you don't have a contract or you don't have a legal right. There's something called unjust enrichment. You know, I give you $5, you're supposed to give me a pen. I never got the pen. You've been, you know, enriched and unjustly because, you know, you don't give me that pen. So you can always try to go after that. But uh, the easiest and best thing would be the mechanic lien. And then within that year, they don't pay and file a lawsuit and says, hey, these guys owe you for services provided. So in other words, the statute of limitation is one year when it comes to that. For the company, yeah, for the company, yes. Yes. Yes, sir. Okay. Can you share a particular challenge or interest of case you've worked on in real estate as a real estate attorney? 
and that had a um, positive outcome. Oh, wow. You're not asking me for the negative outcome? <laughs> I love those. <laughs> no, a positive outcome. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Uh, I think all my cases have a positive outcome. But um, here's what I try to be. I also try to be a mediator. So people think, you know, when you're a litigator, uh, you have to always like, you know, gun oh, sue, 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 or, you know, rip somebody's throats out or whatever. But I also try to be like a mediator because every case can go south real fast, real, real fast. So I'll give you an example of a case, you know, that could have gone south. But, you know, I kind of like mitigate, you know, just talk to them and say, hey, this is what needs to happen. And, you know, if you guys want to move forward, this is how much it will cost. So as a mediator, you always try to like always try to be mutual and you always try to save your clients time and money. I had a closing. This is a this is a regular deed closing. Um, my client leased to own a mechanic shop and then after the end of the lease actually purchased the property. I draft a deed, draft a deed and everything. We're sitting there at the closing table, just signing the deed. Seller says, well, by the way. Uh, there's a $10 due for code and forth for some coach stuff. Buyer, like she forgot she knew English, okay? She forgot she knew how to speak English. She just went off and like, you always try to rip me off. You always try to do this. You, you know, he's always, you know, charging me this, charging me that, making me pay for this, making me pay for that. And I, I was like, yes, I get it. But this is $10. Let's figure out who's going to pay for this step. She's like, no, this is the last drop, you know, because there's always going to be something else that comes up. There's always going to be this. There's always going to be that. And then I was like, listen, okay, let's go to that back. So I did what's called a caucus. And mediation is a caucus is when you separate the parties. Uh, so I did a separation and I said, client, let's go to that back. And I left the, the sellers up front. Of course, I can, I can absolutely sue the sellers. But I told the client, listen, for me to move forward with this, because if you don't want to move forward with the closing, then nothing gets done. Then tomorrow, I'm going to file a lawsuit on this. So you can make sure a lawsuit for specific performance, which basically says you've already paid this guy all of the money that you need to pay him. He just needs to transfer the property to you. But now it's only it up. I'm going to have to do a, I'm going to have to do a specific performance. I'm going to need five grand from you right here. And there. It's going to cost you about five grand because I'm going to have to like, you know, file the complaint. I'm going to have to like do a complaint on this. It's going to take me at least two or three hours. And I'm so, you know, I'm not that cheap, um, but it's also going to cost you $9.95 to file this lawsuit, okay? It's also going to cost you about 60 bucks to serve these guys. And it's also going to cost you maybe about 20 days just to begin this case, because once they get served, they'll have 20 days to, you know, actually respond. So you're probably looking about like at least two to three months right here and now, and nothing gets really done. And this is just the beginning for five grand and three months. What do you want to do? She <laughs> started crying. She's like, well, I don't want to feel it because, you know, he's been doing this. And I was like, I get it. I get it. But I think you should just eat this $10, close this case. And if you want to go after him for $10 after this, we can talk about it. We can talk about what that $10, you know, would cost you. And if I'm able to get you, you know, your $5,000 back and then this $10, because you're going to have, I'm going to try to get your attorney's fee, of course, but it's not guaranteed. Attorney's fee is not guaranteed unless it's in your contract or provided by statute. Otherwise... It's a discretionary to the judge. So I was I was like, listen, your time is money. You could have been doing a hundred different things, you know, talking to your family, you know, kissing your dog, you know, working, making more money. But on top of that, you're going to have to pay me money. So don't think it's just five thousand dollars. You know, your time could be another five thousand dollars or another thousand dollars on top of that. And then again, she just wept and she's like, yes, let's do it. So she paid a ten dollars. <laughs> She paid a $10 and we did that close. The hard thing is like people don't want to meet 
like you know they don't, don't want to meet each other somewhere in the middle uh they want to like you know they want to like you know i want to win you want to know if you go to court one of you guys will win one of you guys will lose but if we can stay out of court and try to work this out you know for 10 that's like a starbucks or something like that people spend more money than uh, on a coffee on coffee um so if you want to skip coffee on tuesday skip it and pay this guy okay that's true now, for, for first-time home buyers, what are some advice you have for them so they can have a smooth and successful property purchase? Well, for the first time, uh, one, of the things, well, one of the things that I'll mention is get a sappy realtor, somebody who knows what's going on. Not somebody who just started about six months ago. Uh, not somebody who's, you know, who's just been doing this for, you know, five years, but they only had like, you know, two closings or something like that. There's a lot that goes on in the real estate industry. Uh, it, you know, it's more than, you know, finding a buyer, finding a seller or a seller, finding a buyer, or, you know, both of them finding a title company. There's a lot there. So you need, uh, you know, a real good realtor who's been in the business for a while and has knowledge with first time home buyers and down payment assistant, uh, because you might not know where to go. You might not know what lenders to use. You might not know, you know, good inspector. Because all of these things, a realtor needs a realtor needs to have like a tool belt. They need to have like you know people they can go and reach out to and to make this transaction you know really nice and easy to understand for a buyer. Uh, they need you know a, a good plumber. Uh, they need a good you know title company. They need a good lender. That type of thing. The other thing too is I would definitely highly recommend a one hour consultation with an attorney to basically explain the contract. Once you get under contract, once. You want to get under contract. You have the contract. Uh, you contact an attorney, pay for an hour consultation and says, hey, this is what I would like. I would like to know everything about this contract. And I would like to know about the process that, you know, will go on. Because a lot of time, realtors will try to push the sale, which is, again, you know, somewhat unethical. But, you know, they'll try to push the sale and then rush things out. You don't want to rush things out. You do not want to rush things out. Real estate is probably the biggest in, the biggest purchase most people will make. You know, this is not like buying a pen. This is not like buying a car, $20,000 car. This is a huge investment. Uh, and, and so if you're hurrying this or you're being rushed, you're not taking your time, you're not following up with people or you're not getting second advice. Uh, you know, you're just listening to a realtor that says, this is how we do it. This is what you need to do. And uh, you're not reviewing the contract because some people will read and not review. Uh, and that's one of those things, you know, it's not an excuse. Okay, it's not an excuse if you didn't read it. So if your realtor didn't read it and you didn't read it, boom. Um, so a, a great realtor who knows what they're doing and maybe in an hour, just consultation with like a real estate attorney to explain the process, the step on how to get certain things done. Those are some great, great, great examples. As we're coming to a close, do you have any hero, someone you look up to? Or if you could have been a hero, what kind of superpower would you want to have? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I don't have, I don't have like one hero. I think I have like a lot of heroes. Um, uh, believe it or not, some people are my heroes and they don't even know about it. Um, and I'll say that to say when I first wanted to be a real estate attorney and a real estate broker, when I first realized, okay, real estate might be the place that I wanted to go, that, that I, what I wanted to do. I looked up five attorneys in the Jacksonville area. And I sent all five of them emails. I look at their website. I looked at what they did. I looked at how they got there. I called one and I actually you know, took one out to lunch. Uh, I met one at a showing house, like she was showing a house. And I was like, don't worry about it. I'll go over there. 
So there's a lot of those people that, you know, are my hero. They're not like personal close friends, but I look up to them. Uh, you know, they've already been somewhere. I don't have to reinvent the wheel. They've already been somewhere. If I can, you know, just look out uh, and ask them, they will help me out. A lot of my heroes are also from the PD's office, public defender's office, uh, downtown Tampa. Well, because those were the guys that, you know, gave me that lovely letter that says go to law school. So without them, I don't know if I would have made the same decision or if I would have been here without someone kicking me in the butt uh, and then, you know, trying to like tell me, hey, this is what I didn't do. This is what I'm capable of. But again, you can also have heroes, uh, you know, like MLK or like Barack, even though he doesn't know me for or a realtor. For me, it is realtors or brokers who are successful people that I know I can look at their website. I can give them a call and they can say, hey, this is how you do it. This is what you need to do. Uh, as far as like a superpower, I've only really wanted just one superpower. It's, you know, if I could just have one, it's just to fly. <laughs> I would love to just fly. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not scared of height, but I am scared if I fall, you know, I might just squash. You know, yeah. I would love um, to be a bird or something like that. One day. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm being like an airplane and he's flying through yeah. the cloud. I feel like that would be a stress free. Uh, relief just looking at the ocean we're looking down at you know the lands stuff like that so yes <laughs> that's great now um as we're coming to a close for the listeners that are listening to you right now if they want to reach out how can they get in contact with you if they want to reach out they can call me on the office line phone number is 833 uh the law firm is called justin florida law you can find uh, us on Google and on Facebook. If you need to email me, you can email me uh, at M-A-C-K at J-F-L-A-L-A-W dot com. So that's Matt, M-A-C-K at J-F-L-A law dot com. If you want to find me on Facebook or TikTok, as I just started that, uh, you can find me under Mac, M-A-C-K, Justin. Attorney Justin, thank you again for stopping by. Are you really living? I know uh, this is your first time stopping by, and I know you'll continue stopping by to bless us with your knowledge and inspire uh, our listeners as well. So thank you again. No problem. Thank you for having me, okay? See you. Thank you, Andrea. Thank you for listening to the Are You Really Living podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to us on social media. We would love to hear from you. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep growing. And most importantly, keep living your best life. Please like, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.